Lord, we come hungry, needy. We come excited and anticipating. We, we gather, Lord, here to the table of Your Word. We, we come with hearts that have tasted. And we have experienced the, the, the food of Your Word and watched its work in our lives. And we're so excited to, 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 to gather together and feast once again at the table of Your Word. We pray now, Holy Spirit, that You would take this Word and land it in us and, and grow us and build us and establish us in Your Word. Cause our roots, the roots of our lives, to sink deep into the bedrock of these truths. And Lord, make us wise, we pray, as we looked last week. We lack wisdom. You are the source of all wisdom, and so we look to You. We pray that we would learn of You, that we would follow Your lead, and that we would be more like You as we leave today than as we came. Only You can do this, and so we pray now, Lord, that You would work. Use me to accomplish Your all-sovereign and ordained purpose in this place, in these people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to begin not in the Proverbs. I want to begin in the book of Ecclesiastes and hear the words of the preacher from the book of Ecclesiastes. He says this in chapter 3, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. And then if you skip on down, you you see this. A a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. There's many other things that he refers to there, but I was just struck by this list and how he draws our attention to this. And it is true, isn't it? There is a time for silence, and there is a time for words to speak. I couldn't help but laugh when I read this proverb this week. Uh, What I did is I went through all of Proverbs, all 31 chapters, and I pulled out every verse that I could find related to words, speaking or listening, uh, just the the whole concept of wisdom and words. And this is a verse that just made me laugh. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. So that's just, a, you know, just tuck that in your pocket and remember it next time you want to wake up your neighbor and bless him with a loud voice. You see, there is a time for everything under heaven. If you want to greet your neighbor with a loud voice, at least give him a, a cup of coffee or two first. Let him wake up. So wisdom and words today. Last week, two ways to walk, two invitations. Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom. Both invitations. Come learn. Come be wise Or come play the fool. We choose which way. And so the coming weeks, I want to consider three different aspects. Wisdom in words, wisdom in work, and wisdom in wealth. So the next couple weeks, that's where we're going today. Wisdom and words. And it is going to be a shotgun blast of Proverbs here. Okay, over 50 Proverbs that speak to this topic. And I want to do it exhaustively as, as best as possible today. Let's begin here with this, the power of words. You don't have to live long to understand the nature of the power of words. Words have an unbelievable power. Proverbs 18, 21. Death 
and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruits. Death and life. We have the capacity to speak words that can wound and hurt and kill, or the opposite is also true. We have words that can speak joy and life and blessing. God has given us a tremendous gift in words. This is unique to those who carry the image of God. Human beings. The ability to speak, to communicate. Emotion, intellect, and will. These things are communicated with our mouth. Death and life. I couldn't help but but notice the backdrop here. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the, the tongue of the wise brings healing. You think of this stone and the, the water that has flowed through these corridors over many years and the wind that blows down through there shape the stone. So too, our words can shape lives. We can heal or we can wound. We can build or we can tear down. And you know what's interesting is it happens in a moment, doesn't it? We've all been there. One moment of a, of a quick tongue, all of a sudden, damage. In some cases, damage that's very difficult to undo. So wisdom and words, this topic meets us where we're at. Are we hurting with our words or are we healing with our words? That's the call. James has a lot to say about the power of the tongue. He says this in chapter 3, Look at ships also, though they are so large, and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Wow. James describes well the capacity for ruin and damage and death itself to to be spoken in the words that we speak. Hmm. He goes on to say this, the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we we bless our Lord and and Father, and with it we curse people made in in His likeness. It should not be this way, he says. You can't just say, oh Lord, we bless you and I hate you. That that doesn't jive with, with who we are to be as God's people. We are to be wise in our words. We are to be aware of, of how we speak. And the power of the tongue is incredible. So guard your mouth. Maybe write that in there. Guard your mouth. We who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have been set apart to walk in righteousness, to shine the light of who God is, should be a people who are very wise in what we say. Careful with our words. Guard your mouth. It's not just something that your mom says to you when you're a kid. Hey, watch your mouth. Or your teacher in school. This is the wisdom of God. Be aware of the power that lies within your mouth. Now, 
Let's consider the origin of our words. The origin of our words. This also is important because if we only pay attention to the words themselves and not the origin of the words, well, what hope do we have? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 35, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. And so what he's pointing out is there is going to be a revelation of the heart, and predominantly the heart is revealed in the mouth. It's the expression of the heart. And so if you're holding on to anger, bitterness, you're upset inside, and you let it lodge there, and you coddle it, and you give room to it, and you, and you allow it to, to fester inside, it is going to find its way out. And the way out it's going to find is through your mouth, your words. Or, if inside you are delighting in God, amazed by His grace to you, that He forgave you, that he would show kindness and love even when none of us deserved it. And, and, and you treasure that up. Guess what? You can't keep that in. It's going to come out. And it's going to bless people. It's going to build and edify. Hmm. It's the voice of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I go back to a, an illustration that Paul Tripp shared in a marriage counseling video, he had a water bottle. He took the lid off and he said, you see this? This is, this is what that verse means. It's, it's fine until you shake it. Sometimes God will bring circumstances to our lives and he shakes us and what's inside is revealed. It comes out. And how does it come? It comes through our words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we want to be the kind of people, oh Lord, make us this kind of people, we pray, that when we are shaken, we bless. We bless. There's, there's, there's love. There's, there's an overflow of confidence and calm and peace in who God is. Because we all know things shake. And sometimes even in the shaking, reveal our need to be washed and sanctified, and to grow. The voice of the heart. Jesus followed those verses with this one, and I tell you what, this one is a verse to hold on to. This is, this is Jesus giving us a bit of a check here, a warning. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Wow. Wow. So, about venting. <laughs> uh, or, on the positive, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. This is where we shine as believers. We, we stand out from the world. There should be great care such that we are aware of our mouth and we are at work to guard our hearts so that we don't have those careless words that come out and just attack and hit and slice and kill. We're to be a community. We're, we're to be a family of people who are defined with great care in the words that we use. Wise words, gentle words, loving words. 
So wisdom and words. I want to give three categories that I saw come together as I studied these verses. Three categories. The first is this, releasing words. Releasing words. Think, this is the expression of our words. When we send them out, what kind of words do we want to send out, to release? Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and, and healing to the bone or healing to the body. Gracious words, words of grace. These are the kind of words we want to be known for, for releasing out. To make an apt answer is joy to a man. A word in season, how good it is. This is emphasizing the blessing that we can be when we speak words of wisdom. Words that are, are grace-filled, purposeful words. There's many verses that speak to this. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Note the connection. It's almost synonymous. The tongue of the righteous, the heart of the wicked. You see how they're almost interchangeable? Because where do the words come from? They come from the heart. A word fitly spoken. I like that word. A fitly spoken word. It's like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Oh, the, uh, the, 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 the work to help us see this through the words. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. So are we presenting or pelting, bestowing or bombarding? I, I had George give me a rock. I was wishing George was here. He gave me this rock. And this is a very... Uh, polished cut rock that he took time and he worked on and then he he presented it to me okay now there are different ways to give rocks to people okay this is the way i prefer okay he this is a treasure that he had stored up and he had worked on and he presented he knows that i like rocks and he, here he is he gives me this rock now another way to give people rocks would be this you reach down, you're not looking at what you, you're just looking for something hard to throw. You reach down whatever you get and you just let it rip, right? You sling it. From the heart, what's the desire? Blessing or bombarding? Do I want to give, to bless, to build, to bestow, to show grace and love? Or am I there to hurt and tear down? We all need this word because in us, autopilot does not do this. Autopilot reaches for the rock. That's the defense mechanism. I'll show you. What can I find? Anything. It doesn't matter. I'll just throw it. And oh, the pain and the heartache and the damage. Some of you have grown up in homes where stone throwing was normal. It was the way you solve conflict. It's just look for the biggest rock. Not so with God's people. It should not be that way. We are to be a people of gracious words. People who carefully choose words and then, and then bless and bestow. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Gentle tongue. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge but the mouth of fools pour out folly. You see the, the, the way of folly 
and the way of wisdom. Once again, contrasted so often here. Which way will we walk? What kind of people are we to be? Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Oh, kids, listen to this now. In a day where truth is increasingly hard to discern, when, when truth-tellers are increasingly rare, tell the truth. Be honest. Be a people of truth. We are Christians. If we don't tell the truth, what hope is there for the world? We, we are to carry, represent, reflect the truth. So our words then, wise words, are true words. They're filled with grace. But don't fall prey to the, the folly of a lying tongue. It's fleeting. It's a web. I watched a man weave a web of lies so complicated, all of a sudden he was stuck in his own web and everything came crashing down. He lost his job. He almost lost his entire family. Tell the truth in the little things and the big things. Always tell the truth. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. You see the contrast here? What does this mean for our words? It means that there are times, friends, where we are to bless with words of rebuke. It's a place for that. In wise, godly living, we among one another, as we journey together, there's a place for uh, a brother to come alongside another brother and say, listen, man, I care about you. I care about you a lot. And I want, I want to point something out to you here because I love you. I want to bless you with it. It's different than saying, hey, I don't like you, and here's why. You see the difference? If you want it to land, if you want it to go deep, then there are words of love and grace that can be spoken choice words to bless releasing words what kind of people will we be when it comes to the way we speak when we choose to release words will we choose to walk the way of wisdom or will we walk the way of folly the way of the world the call is clear now receiving words receiving words what kind of people are we to be when we are on the other end of wise words Lots of verses on this as well. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Oh boy. You ever been there? Married couples? You ever been there? Wait, I don't think you heard me. Uh, you never, I didn't hear you. I didn't. Say it all over again. I wasn't even listening. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you're aware that as you are saying something, they're preparing what they're going to say, not actually listening to what you're saying? And have you ever been that person who's kind of like, okay, I hear noises, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say when the noises stop? That's the way of falling. That's the way of the world. That's self-focused. That's not the heart of love. That's not truly listening, humbly receiving. What words are being shared don't play the fool. Let the words come out. Ask more questions. Encourage words. Be a listener. Be a listener. Hmm. 
A fool despises his father's instruction. But whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. But a fool despises his father's instruction. Young people, choose the path of wisdom. There is wisdom in years. There is wisdom in experience. There is wisdom that you benefit from. Encourage it. Invite it. Receive it with humility and joy. And parents, don't assume that just because you have more years under your belt means that you see the whole lay of the land. Many times, we need to be question askers as well. Inviting in, in input and tell me more about this. Help me understand To love discipline is to love knowledge. To hate reproof is the way of the fool. It's stupid. We don't want to be the kind of people who put a stiff arm up when someone comes and says, listen, I love you too much not to point this out. I care about you, and here's an area of your life. At least this is what I see. Tell me if I'm wrong. But it seems like this is hurting you. This is hurting others. When you say this, when you do this, when you don't say this, when you don't do this, we need to be the kind of people who say, thank you, thank you. In marriage, play offense, invite this. Honey, you have the right. If you see something, if you hear something, if there's something that I do, I invite you to to reprove me in love. Point it out to me. I need this. If you're in, in, a, in a workplace environment. There's, there's ways that you can model wisdom in all of these things. Hmm. As elders, we do this. I'm so grateful for men who love me enough to speak up and say, hey, what about this? Have we thought about this? And, and we invite this for one another's lives as well. We all need this together. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So say, there's another aspect of this. This is how we make decisions and how we think about big decisions and the encouragement then to invite the advice of others. Encourage people to speak a viewpoint that may differ from yours. That's humility that encourages wisdom and sound decision-making. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Whose wisdom do we need the most when making decisions? God's. We need God's wisdom. When we're making big life decisions, we, we look to Him and, and he's also given us modes of, of wisdom as well. These elders, these men who shepherd well in this church can be used by God to help shape and speak words into your life, help with decision-making even. I've enjoyed participating with people, praying with people, considering different options with people and saying, boy, if this door opens, it sure seems like the Lord is doing something here. Third category, so releasing words. Second, receiving words. And third, the category with the most verses, restraining words. When words are many, 
Transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. You know what struck me as I just stared at that verse and thought about it? Why is that true? Why is that true? Friends, it's because we're sinners. We're sinners. We are prone to sin. And one of the ways that is easiest to sin is with our tongue. And so we should be a people who choose our words with care, restrain our lips in prudence. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. There is a care that we should give our words. A choosing. Ever been there? Uh, mm, 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 Don't say that. That's good. That's wise. That can many times be the Holy Spirit of God preempting your words, helping you to be wise and discerning. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Whoa. James does not mince words, does he? If you think that walking with Jesus and having a loose tongue, you just fire off whatever you, this is just who I am. I say what I mean, people have to deal with it. James would come and tell you lovingly, your religion is completely inconsistent with your mouth. That is, that is not the way of the wise. That, that there's, there's something that's missing here. Bring it together. Guard your mouth. Restrain the words. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked just pours out evil things. You see, the, the function of restraining. Evaluate the words. From where in my heart do these words originate? Is this evil or is this righteous? Is this going to bless or is this going to curse? Am I reaching for a rock here or am I reaching for a precious chosen stone to carefully, graciously bless? Hmm. Expressions of pride. Oh, so often our mouths are the revelation of pride in our hearts and the the reality is, friends, it's not if, it's where. Where does pride live in you, in me? It's there, and we are to be finding it and killing it day after day after day. Sometimes just listen to yourself speak, and you will know where that pride is. Listen to some of these verses. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. Oh, we need that in this generation. Kids, if you're playing sports, hear these words of the wise. It is not your job to make much of you, to point you out, to celebrate you. We have a culture dripping with self-promotion. <laughs> and, and, and we just should stand out from that. Let another one praise you. And when they do, Bounce it up to where it belongs, right? Bounce it right up. When you succeed in work, when things go well, when there's accolades, when there's applause, who's the one who starts the conversation? Well, I just want to point out here all the things that I've uh, succeeded in and 
And uh, it's hard when you're trying to find a job, right? You've got you to kind of tell who you are, but there's a way to do it. It's wise. It stands out. This one is good. If, you, if you've been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you have been devising evil, put your hand over your mouth. It's a really pleasant way of saying, I think you need to shut up. It's, it's time to stop, right? This can happen in all kinds of stages of life. I, I've experienced uh, conversations with older folks who have just great joy in their grandchildren and their children, and the successes that their children have, that's good, so long as it points the glory to God's grace and doesn't say, I, I did that. that. Like, look what I did. No, this is evidence of God's mercy and grace. So whether we're young or old, this is ever before us. Who are we going to praise? Who are we going to point to? How will our words accomplish that end? Hmm. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. I heard a guy uh, preaching off of this verse this past week describe how he uh, kept getting himself beat up. And he was in his early 20s, and he woke up in the hospital, and he had a broken jaw. And, and basically, he came to his senses and said, you know... I think the way I've been living isn't really working out that well. My mouth keeps getting me beat up. And what, what's behind that? It's pride. It's just run-of-the-mill pride. And so often, we can, we can stick our chin out and grind our teeth, and it's pride just showing up. The humility of turn the other cheek loses itself when all of a sudden the anger stirs kind of people will we be whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense but a man of understanding remains silent humility to bless some of the most important words are those we choose not to speak keep them just time for silence expressions of anger Many churches have been shredded by this. Workplaces have imploded. And people have died because of these things. We see it on the news all the time, don't we? Expressions of anger. There is a f the way of folly, the way of the world, or the way of Jesus, the way of life, the way of righteousness. Which way will we walk when we get angry? A man of wrath stirs up strife. Just, I always think of a cauldron with a spoon. He's stirring it up. One given to anger causes much transgression. We are to not be that man. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Oh, boy. You've heard me talk about my frustration with venting. And my words target my own heart as well because inside of me there are times where I just want to vent. Venting is unrighteous. It is not holy. It is an expression of the release of self-control. 
We are to be a people who are grabbing a hold of that anger and putting it to death in peace. So maybe when the next time you're tempted to go on Facebook because you're upset at your neighbor who left his lawn unmowed for another week or whatever it might be, I don't know, or you're mad because someone was tailgating you too close, keep silence. Keep silence. Catch it in your heart. Call it what it is. By God's grace, put it to death. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Be like that. Be, we want to be the kind of people who, what's the word you use, John? De-escalators, right? In, in law enforcement, the, it's always, we want to be the kind of people who de-escalate, not escalate. We want to quiet and calm contention. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Just picture this. We were hiking around Israel and looking at these, these cities. Can you imagine one man running up and conquering a city on his own? And Solomon says, I would commend a man who is slow to anger, who can hold back and rule his spirit more than a man who can take a city. Now, one of the things it shows us is this is not easy. This is not easy. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit, calm, diffusing, is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Sometimes it's better just to remain silent. I go back to those classic parenting words. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. And that's extremely wise, isn't it? Like if I know when I open my mouth, bad things are going to come out, keep it closed. And then address the heart. Address the heart where those things are operating. Or you'll become a volcano. And you might succeed in keeping your mouth closed here, here, and here, but eventually it's going to go off and it's going to be worse. Are you a volcano? The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Mature Christians walking in God's grace are able to say they mocked him. They spat upon him. They pounded thorns into his head. And they accused him falsely. And what did he do? Many times throughout that night, he remained silent. He gave us an example in these things. James sums it up best as we look at all of these. And he says, know this, my beloved brothers. These are Christians. These are the, the people who are marked by the gospel, marked by the grace of God. We are to be quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
Wow. That's wisdom, isn't it? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So, friends, I don't know if, if this sermon hits you like it hits me, but wow, convicting. Convicting. We all need this. We are all works in progress. We're all growing. Even this week, all of us can look back and say, you know what? I didn't choose words of wisdom there. I, I, w- I wish I could do that one again. I wish this interaction would have been different. We have that opportunity this week. Hmm. So releasing words. Let's be a people who choose carefully gracious words to build and bless not who throw stones at the slightest offense we want to be a people who receive words quick to listen inviting loving shaping advice sound rebuke people in our lives humbly uh, invited then to come and speak into our lives and let's be a people defined by the restraint of our words, slow to anger, slow to take offense, remaining silent if need be to prevent words that would damage, hurt, or destroy. Pushes us to the gospel, doesn't it? Here's the reality, my friends. Without Jesus, this is impossible. You can't do it. This is self-reform. In fact, if you did it, you would be tempted to say, hey, check it out, I did it, self-promotion, and then you would just undo it all. It is only through Christ that that this is possible. We can't do this on our own. We need Him to change our hearts. We have a pit of black tar to draw from with our words. In our sin, left to ourselves, we can't do this. This is where the gospel meets us. Jesus comes and he takes all of the sin and all of the stain and all of the dark from our lives and he he goes to the cross and the Father puts that on him, that wrath, that punishment that is mine rightfully to, to, to pay before my offenses against a righteous and holy God. Jesus takes on himself. And then he buries it in the grave just like Adam was baptized under the water It is gone. The who I used to be, that old heart, is laid to rest in the grave. And then Jesus rises from the grave in victory, triumph. It is finished, paid in full, forgiven, set free, only through Jesus. We're given a new heart to draw from. A wellspring of joy and satisfaction in God. And day by day, increasingly, we become more like our Savior Jesus as we follow His Word, obey His commands, seek to be like Him, and to be transformed by the power of His victory for our sin. And so that's the backdrop for all of our application, isn't it? Jesus. It's the backdrop and the way that we can obey these commands from Paul. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander, all of it, put it away. Put it away. Along with all malice. 
And in its place, what? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. And hear the choice words that are being spoken. Forgiving one another. What's the ground, the foundation of all of this? As God in Christ forgave you. Wow. Oh, may we be a people like this. More and more this week than last. More and more this year than last year. And into next year. We need one another in this, don't we? We're together in this work. And when we fail, forgive. Pick up and help along the path. And one day, we will see Him face to face. And we will hear these words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. Enter in. Until then, let's be wise with our words. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank You for Your forgiveness because we know that our words just express our hearts. And, and Lord, we need, we need work done inside. We need hearts refined and, and, and purified and molded and shaped by You, by Your Word, by what is wise and right and good and true and beautiful. Please, Lord, continue this work in all of us. Make us more a tender-hearted, a soft-hearted, a, a draw from the wellspring of, of joy and righteousness and life and speak kind of people. Help us to love one another with wise words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.